This is Marcus Smith. Season six of Constant Wonder came to a close with a conversation I had with Joe Roman. Joe Roman is a conservation biologist. He's author of Eat, Poop, Die, How Animals Make Our World. Well, right now, our podcast is on break, but what you're about to hear is a short season six bonus. It's a snippet with Joe Roman talking to us about how he helps, in a pretty straightforward way, to regulate invasive species. This approach is a no-brainer. It's called Eat the Invaders. In my backyard, a weed started to grow, and my wife identified it for me because she knows enough about Japanese cuisine to know that this plant, burdock, uh, can have an edible root that is really it's actually sold in markets here. If you go to an Asian market, uh, the, the gobo, I think, is what it's called in Japanese. But the burdock is, uh, I wasn't expecting to have a gift like that show up in my yard, but I haven't yet tried to eat it. You, you seem to be an advocate for that kind of uh, foraging, and, and particularly if, if the plant or animal coming your way is what we call an invader. How'd you get going on that? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question, Marcus. So, uh, you know, we've chatted about time in the field. So this was, I was working on my PhD, and I was looking at the genetics of an invasive crab called the green crab. Uh, I was in Nova Scotia and, and trying to get an idea of how they got to the United States and the Canadian Maritime. So what was the pathway? Flipping rocks, what I would do is every 50 kilometers, I would go look for about 20 crabs and then drive up the coastline. So I get to this place called Gulliver's Cove, and I notice there's someone else that's collecting flipping rocks in the same area I am, and he's got a big bucket. And I walked over him and asked him what he was collecting, and he was collecting periwinkles, which is an invasive snail. And it gave me an idea at that point. I've spent my career trying to convince people to reduce the impacts that we have on native species because our track record as humans isn't very good. When we really like a species, something like a bison, we're pretty good, or, or passenger pigeons, we're pretty good at wiping them out. And it occurred to me, here's a way that we could use our appetite for benefit, for a change, right? Why not encourage people to feed on, in this case, the European green crabs and the European snails in that area. So that night I prepared a meal with the crabs and the snails and it was delicious. Uh, so not only did it have a, a good impact on the environment because I was taking out a few invasives out of that species or at least a neutral impact, um, but it also was amazing. And this was around 2000. I promoted this idea of eating invasives. I thought, okay, if it would work for green crabs and for snails, it could work for fish, it could work for burdock, it could work for a lot of invasive plants as well. And the article came out in Audubon magazine in 2004, and the response, I have to admit, was crickets. People thought it was kind of funny, quirky, you know, but it didn't really get much, uh, much response. At that point, the word locavore didn't even exist. Um, foraging wasn't really a thing. Of course, people forage, but it wasn't sort of part of the culture. It just didn't hit right. It wasn't until a couple of years later that I spoke to a chef, Bun Lai, out of New Haven, Connecticut. And we got an idea of why don't I ask for recipes from around the country from celebrity chefs? And that is a good way to promote this cuisine, right? It's, it's pretty simple. The good thing from a forager's point of view is invasives are everywhere. That's a bad thing ecologically. But if we can combine those two, we can maybe shift the way, one, the way we collect animals and plants in the wild, but also 
shift to the impact that we're having on these ecosystems, on, on these habitats. And I'll tell you, Marcus, the, the good news is that since that time, uh, there have been several studies, especially on lionfish, which is an invasive species in the Caribbean and the Gulf of Mexico. And as you would expect, when people start eating things and start collecting things, the populations go down. So we're seeing a decline in lionfish where people are collecting them, and even more exciting, a return of some native species as those lionfish go down. This new idea of functional eradication could work. That's the idea that if we reduce the population enough, we will see an ecological impact. We're not going to likely eat these animals to extinction. We might eradicate them in some areas or these plants, and we might have an impact in those local areas. But we're going to be really need to maintain that pressure. So I'm excited about the, the future of this prospect, but the key is that we need to make sure we don't bring any new invasive species in. This isn't a way to get off and say, okay, well, you know, let, let people off the hook and say, well, you know, another species, another thing to eat. Um, we don't want to bring any more invasives in. What we want to do is control the ones that we have and uh, try and take some pressure off of those native species and fortunately have a really good meal in the process. The burdock is very nice. There are a lot of fish species that are delicious. There are some like we have in the backyard here, garlic mustard, which is very simple pesto to make. A lot of the garden weeds were brought over on purpose and then they jumped the fence. So it's our opportunity to put them back into that fence and try and reduce them. So I want to talk just briefly about something really tasty. You know, if I see somebody walking by and they're carrying a chocolate ice cream cone, I immediately say to myself, ooh, I could be eating that. What would do the same thing for you where you're looking at an invasive species and suddenly you say, ooh, I do have an appetite? Um, so I would say the, the European periwinkle, which is the snails, if for those people who like mollusks, it's very tasty. It's very, you know, it wouldn't be that different from if you like an oyster or if you've ever had an escargot. The advantage of, of this is it's very fresh. So you are just taking it right from the intertidal or right from your garden, cooking it up right then. I'll give you one example of one that I didn't hunt, um, but I did have a feral hog or wild boar at an event in Colorado a few years ago. And the chef served wild or feral hog, uh, a heritage hog, and then natural pork some, from Safeway, which is really an industrial raised pork. And... I have to say the flavors were so complex and, and so rich from that wild caught boar or feral hog that I it turned me off of regular pork for years because, you know, I could have this delicious thing or something that's sort of consistent. And although it's consistent, it's kind of bland. So maybe uh, a wild hog maybe would be one of the first ones that I thought. And, and that's another one where if we put pressure on, we can really reduce the numbers. Joe Roman is author of Eat, Poop, Die, How Animals Make Our World. Fresh new podcasts from Constant Wonder are coming your way in a special series that begins December 1st. Please join with us to mark the season of Advent together as we drop a short episode every day leading right up to Christmas. Until then, all the best to you. Constant Wonder is a production of BYU Radio. 